Happy Wednesday. It is the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up. You'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Pat McCraney. He's not Alex Campbell. Alex is somewhere gallivanting around Door County, Wisconsin. So I had to go to the bottom of the barrel and bring in TJ Zaramba. Wow. Wow. That's a wonderful introduction, Pat, but it happens to be true, so we're going to run with it. He's a fire season ticket holder. Very rude. He's a coach. He's a coach, yeah. He's a referee. He'll let you know he's a referee. Mm -hmm. Trust me. Did you bring the cards? I did not bring the cards. They're in the car. He's always a, in the car. He's, you know what's disappointing, though? You have a, a shirt with a very powerful message, but you are also a – you have more random soccer kits than anybody I know, and I thought you were going to wear some team that I've never heard of, but instead you're, you're here to make a statement. I, you know, it, it is one of those things. I did debate bringing out the, the powder blue flag kit from, I want to say, about 2000. That would have been a fun call because that's one of the best all-time fire kits. It is. Um, well, if, you, if this – doesn't bottom out completely, and you have me back. Maybe we'll bring it out that t- for that one then. I doubt it. You're, you're going to get fired after this. I think. I, I mean, sure. I'll be honest. We'll, we'll I, I actually appreciate that you went with that shirt. Uh, and for the listeners, it says invest in women, pay women, hire women. Yes, mm-hmm. I do I, forget sometimes we do the audio version of this, yeah. and sometimes people can't see. So yeah, yeah that's a great point, Lawrence. Yeah. That's that's top notch producer. And it's honestly much better than any other kit you could have brought, Probably even true. if it was an Arsenal kit. I mean, you know. I mean, maybe the Highbury last year kit. I do like that garnet color. I didn't buy that red, one. Red current. It still bothers me that I didn't buy it, and I don't want to pay four hundred dollars for it right I've now. I've got so. it. It's in a closet, getting dusty. We should hang it. Yeah. It'd make no sense at a no. CHGO show. Yeah. But no hey, you know what, TJ? We should talk about the fire. We should. Weird lately. Weird. Yeah. They lose to San Jose, the fourteenth place team in the Western Conference. Calvo-less San Jose. I was very disappointed about that. Before that, they managed to beat the Philadelphia Union, who were at the time the number one team in the East. Before that, uh, they lost to Houston, and before that, they beat Houston DC United. United. What is going on? That's a fair question. Um, you can say the fire woes on the road continue because that's the difference is the two Home wins were at Soldier road, Field. Sure. Yeah. Um, which you could go to the Blackfires theory of the, the Blackfires scarf worn by Ezra at home. They've won both those games. When he, they go on the road, he doesn't wear them. They've lost both of those games. I say we keep the scarf then. You could go with that. Um, the bottom line is you got to look at the lineups they're rolling out for those games. Um, I, I think the game in Houston, they were on the front foot the first 10 minutes and then 10, 15 minutes. And then once they went down, it was kind of it. I think the heat played a role in that. That was mid ninety, mid upper 90s, Houston humidity, heat. Yeah, not unexpected. And, you know, there's the, you could say both teams played in the same heat, but Houston is probably more used to it than the fire. Although it was that hot in Chicago that week than the fire were training. So. Right, but that, um, and I don't recall if Houston had a game midweek, but the fire coming off a midweek game and then having to turn yeah. around yeah. and head to Houston. Um, then you come back home again on, on a short week, but you're playing, you know, the game against Philadelphia was, I want to say, more the outlet. They, they were very, very disciplined. They had a game plan. They executed it very well against Philadelphia. Yeah, it was. And you know what's crazy about that game? There was points bet had the fire as money line favorites in that game. And I thought that was so outlandish that I texted you and I'm like, I'm going to throw a bunch of money on this. Then I remembered I was in California and I couldn't. Um, but uh, I'm glad I didn't because I was actually going to bet on the fire to lose and they won because I can't. It, you know what? Go against with 
whatever I say. That's well, probably your best bet in life is to go it, against whatever I say. And that's exactly what I did, to be honest. I was stuck in traffic on the way to the game. I, so I sit down and he, Pat, Pat texts me. He says, yeah, I'm putting all the money. I'm going to put money on Philadelphia. I turn around and go, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop money on the fire. And the fire, of course, win one nil. And you and won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the points bet, bet of, bet of the week uh, or whatever. It's not, uh, you know, it would, you know, I, I, I am glad that uh, I'm glad for you that you won that. But um, so in this, this frustrating uh, San Jose game, again, there were, uh, the fire didn't have, they weren't dominant possession wise in the first half, but they did create a lot of chances that Casper Shabilko or the, the rest of the team couldn't finish. And it was one of those where it's halftime and you're like, okay, yeah, they're playing well, but if you don't finish your chances, I feel like I have like certain tweets that I, I could just draft and, and clean up a little bit and send for the next game. Lawrence sent something to me on, I think in the Houston game, for the love of God, why can't this team finish? Um, oh goodness. I was upset. It, they're, they're, everything's there except the final product. And that that's led to a lot of frustration with Casper Shabilko because as the nine, he's the guy that should be finishing a lot of these chances and he just isn't. Um, is it his fault? Is, is this a case where you'd like to see John Duran start over Shabilko this weekend? It, would you rather, you know, Ezra just keep things rolling and hope something comes together? Does Ezra need to change the shape? Is any of this on him? What is it going to take for this team to finally start finishing chances? That's the $64,000 question. And if you can solve that question, answer that question, you would be the one behind the bench. To me, I still think you run out Shavilko. Um, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. Mm. And the reason why is how many times has Shavilko been out there with Torres, Mueller? Well, no one's really been out there with Torres because he barely plays. But, um, but yeah, you, you, you could argue that they haven't really seen the ideal lineup together all that much. Um, Torres has had this, this lingering hip issue that, you know, he didn't start, but he did actually play in the last game. And, and hopefully now the fire can get through that. Um, and then, you know, Shakiri comes out of games for all sorts of different issues. Now, the, the latest one was he had a hip issue, and that's why he came off in the 60th minute. And that, this is getting enormously frustrating to me because Ezra says the same thing after the game. Oh, it's not serious, but we just wanted to be careful. What are we being careful for? Like, obviously, you don't want to run Shakiri into the ground, and obviously, I know the team doctors, team medical staff know more than we do, but can this guy play through any kind of discomfort at this point? I, I, I keep hearing from my people there, yes, Shakiri wants to win. He wants to win. He, he cares about the fire. Why can't he finish a game? Like it, it's 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 more often than not, it's it's the it's him coming out early or not starting or missing altogether. Like we saw in Houston, he he was gonna play and then he had um, an illness, an illness. Like he had nausea, which again, maybe this is all just bad luck. The the calf injury and then the quad injury and then the the illness and then the hip injury. But is is something bigger going on here with this, or is this just all just a bunch of bad luck that's kept him off the field to me. And again, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. The, the answer is that I think somewhere in between, I think there is a bit of bad luck to it. I think you're talking about a compressed season. So there are more games on top of each and other. And obviously, and he'll say what, you know, he'll say what the, that the fire are important, but he cares more about playing for Switzerland in the world cup. Cause I, it would be crazy if he didn't. And, and the fire may well be very important to him, but that final world cup of his career is going to be correct. And when they, when, during international duty, he went out for all three. I believe he featured in all three games. And then when he was there, 
Yeah, they had four, four, and I think he didn't play in the last one, if I remember right, because he, he came out of the third one with the with the, with the hamstring injury. Okay. So, But the point being is there's a lot of games in a short period of time. Like you said, the focus is on Switzerland for him this year, would be my guess, and, and rightfully so for him. It, I, be, I believe he's the captain of that but, team, and it, it's his team. This is his big World Cup chance with them. Um, so, and maybe that's part of the understanding with the fire staff is if he gets a knock, a lighter knock, maybe that, that for this season, that's kind of the, the focus. Like the, the frustrating part though, is the, the fire dug themselves a hole. Correct. As they do as yes. this club does, no matter who's the coach or who's the owner or whatever. Well, you know, when you're making a fire, you do want to dig a hole first. So you do. Yeah. It's a, like, and yeah. It's, a, it's a key part to, to making a fire. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, there was another hole. It, it didn't look like there was going to be a hole because they were actually you know, first or second in the conference for a little bit there. And then they went on their 10-game uh, winless run. Um, it, now they've got this, this run of games against either home games or games against teams that aren't very good, like San Jose wasn't. And they have to get a lot of points in this month if they want to get back in the playoff race. They're only seven back, but there's a lot of teams between them. Um, and they've got to pick up a lot of points in, in this in this next month. Um, you would hope they could have gotten a point in Houston. You would hope they definitely could have gotten a point in San Jose. They did not. Um, they're back at home now, and, and they've got to win. Next three are at home, and then they're in Vancouver, and then... Um, there's one more at home, but one of those games is against Seattle coming to town. So it's not going to be as easy. Um, they've got to get, you would think, 12 points at least out of the next five to get. Whoa, you're asking the fire to get 12 points out of 15? I, 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 I think they have to. That's asking a lot. I, but they're, you, you know, you're at the bottom of the conference. And the, uh, yes, there's not that many teams in front of you, but... The schedule gets harder after that then, and now is the time to, to grab as many points as possible. So I, 10 might be the bare minimum if you actually want they, – they, you know, they made their bed, and they, they've got to they do something about it. But um, Yeah, when you, when you said 12, I, 10 was the number that came to my head out of five games. I, 10, I think, is – 10 might do it. 12, 12 is asking a lot, but you want to get back in things, you've got to be that Correct. much better than you were worse leading up to it. So And, and I think that's – where you're kind of hitting on hitting the point is they're not getting they're leaving they're leaving way too they left way too many points on the table early now they're kind of stuck with it is they've got to find that they've like you feel like it's, sometimes MLS is like the, M the NBA everybody makes a run at some point they've got to make their run and it's got to be soon the playoffs will get awake very quickly the good news is it is MLS and there is always a team that that you know makes a run out of nothing and 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 DC United almost made the playoffs last year after being terrible for the first, mm -hmm. you know, part of the season. So it, it can happen. It just doesn't happen with the fire. Speaking of things that don't happen with the fire, we got to talk about this, this penalty um, non call the VAR call. So um, Raphael Shehus, you know, goes down in the box late in the game. At first, I made a Neymar joke at first because it looked like he took a dive to me at, at, at real time, and then we got to the benefit of the VAR review for several minutes, and I'm like, no, that's a penalty. He, he, there was contact, and that's a penalty. And then, no. You, you made a comment that that's just not the call the fire get. You know, and realistically, as I think back to with the VAR, especially you go back to the um, MLS's back tournament in Orlando, and really since then, if there's a VAR call for the fire, it's just not going to happen. And you you had pointed out that 
when they go to the screen, 93% of the time they overturn it, mm -hmm. which makes sense. You have a referee that's already looked at it and says, hey, you want to look at this? Right. And they, they're talking about it the whole time. And then he gets there and he says, no. I, I agree. It looked like he was making a meal of it at first. Like the way he flew, th almost flew through the air. I was expecting like a flip and a landing and stick the landing. But Shehost typically doesn't do that. So that was my first catch. And then it was where he got caught. He got caught on the ankles. He was trying to make a move. And that's what sent him sent him up. There was contact. Was it a ton of contact? That's the, the, that's the question. But, you know, I... And you and I in texts back and forth, I usually be the one to defer to the referee. This is one I can't say I can justify. If you're going to the monitor, there's a reason. Somebody else has looked at it. I looked yep. at it the same way. That should have been a penalty. And realistically, that was the game right there. And then on top of that, the fire do a fire thing, and they're caught off guard on the counterattack right after that. Maybe they're, they're licking their wounds, and then San Jose scores right away. Um, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating combination of first-half chances they didn't finish, a VAR call that doesn't go their way, and then they switch off defensively. And then there was also the the goal, you know, prior to that, which was Gaga doesn't. Um, and may, maybe it's we were talking about beforehand who doesn't close down initially. Maybe that was Gaston. We're not sure um, whose responsibility that was. But then Gaga puts it um, not wide enough. Um, San Jose gets a second crack. There's a post. There's a crossbar, and then eventually it's in the back of the net. And it's just it's. It's, you know, for a game that was so winnable, um, to come away with nothing is really frustrating. Well, it, to me, it really, it illustrates the point of the, one of the problems with the fires. They were so disciplined against Philadelphia on Thursday night. They were compact. They were countering. Mm -hmm. They looked beautiful. They got up with the red card. They were, they kept, they mean, then they just took over. And actually the Philadelphia game, they were compact, but they were possessing it. The number of passes, like if you go back and look at the pass count total, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was there with my seven-year-old, and she kept looking up going, why do the Fire have so many more passes in Philadelphia? They were working the spaces in that four-four-two diamond that the Philadelphia runs. They were working it well, and that's something that Ezra said after the game, that they identified where the space was be, would be. They were correct. They were, they were making the smart passes. And, and yeah, the, the Fire just looked that, – that, that's probably optimal Fire. And, yes, it was only a one nothing win, but um, that's against the Philadelphia Union. That's against a very good team. So, um we know what they can be, right? And and we've seen what the attack can be in a game like the Red Bulls game that they ended up tying 3-3. We know that, yes, they're they're better defensively than they were last year. Gaga's, you know, solid. They have Shehas. Uh, Amsberg was great. And then in Tehran, I don't think was – he got turned on that goal, but I don't think he was terrible in the San Jose game by any means. He got, he got turned on the goal because he was running back at full right, speed, right. And, he got, and he got cut back on right. that. Happened. It happens. But the, the theme out of that is – the difference was is Philadelphia, you had a game plan, you executed really well. San Jose, you went out there and almost played their game. San Jose, I feel like, wants to make it a, a wide-open game with spacing and run at, yeah. let you run at you. Whether yeah. you're in possession or not, if they're spacing, they're going to exploit it. And that seemed to be after about the t first 10, 15 minutes, the game got wide open. Like, the fire, I think, are so hard-pressed to try and get goals, especially on the road. They'll press the attack, leaving the spaces. And San Jose exploited them. And that's where that game kind of turned as you, the first half went along. You started seeing San Jose get chance after chance that they were missing. And then the goal to start the second right. half. And then you have to open the game up at that point. But that compact and playing in possession that they did against Philadelphia did not happen against San Jose, specifically after about the first 10, you know, the first part of the game, which right. if you look back at Houston, probably the same theme. Like when the game gets open, the game gets stretched out, the fire struggle mightily. What are we expecting against the crew? One thing we do know is uh, it looks like Cucho Hernandez is going to play for uh, Columbus in that game. He's going to make his debut. Um, could still be some 
changes there, but it's that's that's exciting for crew fans, maybe not exciting for the fire, but um, what are we expecting in that game? I mean, that's that you talked about you need at least 10, if not 12 points in these next five. You need three to start. You've been good at home. Anything less than three points is a disappointment at this point. I think I think they're going to get all three. And you would think that Ezra would know very well what Caleb Porter is going to do in that game, considering Ezra was on his bench last year. So Ezra should should have a very very strong idea, more than any other team, about what to expect from the Columbus Crew in this game. So correct. I if if you wanted me to make a prediction, I think it's going to be a three to one game. I think the Fire are going to wow. That's three goals. I think wow. three. Three to one. Fire. That's my prediction. And and if that, you're going to and if, if you're going to look to make a points bet, fade it. <laughs> All right. And as long as Ezra's wearing the scarf, I think we gotta make sure. The he scarf is on. pretty sweet. The Blackfire scarf is pretty sweet. Yeah. And, and uh, the fact, just the fact that Ezra wears the scarves, I think is a really cool thing. It's something he's been doing since the beginning of the year, and I I think he does a lot of cool little touch things, and, that, and that's definitely one of them. I like Ezra. You know. Yeah. Has so, he gotten the job done yet? No, but I, I, I like him. Um, I just hope that things turn around soon. All right. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including mine. And you'll get a free t-shirt of your short choice from the CHGO locker. There's some sweet new ones in there. I am wearing one right now. There's a bunch of new ones in there. Go check those out. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit on PointsBet. If you have, have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching? Is your favorite team prime for a comeback? Are the fire prime for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for, TJ? You've already done it, though. I've already done it, and I have the the fire T-shirt. It is a pretty sweet T-shirt, isn't it? It is a very good T-shirt, yes. It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. We also have to tell you about Owen. Real quick, I just want to show you. I've I've put the uh, T-shirt drop from June on on the screen here for those watching on YouTube. We got the CHGO with those the are sweet. Beautiful skyline. Yeah. We've got one for the North Siders that says, Hey Chicago, what do you say? And then of course, South Side Bias for our White Sox fans. I don't like the North Siders, but I really like that t shirt. Yeah, it's I'm kinda jealous me, it's, of it. I like the font and I th- I think what it is 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 that it's the red text but with the white uh, yeah, sh- not shadow, but stroke if I'm using my Photoshop terminology correctly. That's very bold yeah. of you. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, I like that. It's good. They're real nice. Yeah, very they, comfy shirts too. They're very they soft. Are, they're, I I wear them all the time. They're yeah. unbelievably comfortable. Comfortable. Go get them. Go buy them all. They're they're fun. They've got great designs. They're comfortable. You need more of them. Yeah. Go buy them. Now tell us about Owen. You know, Alex is the guy that likes to talk about Owen here because Alex can eat about seven things, um, and then anything else makes him sick. And he can he can he likes Owen. He, he's you know it's. 
stands for only what you need. It's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition, works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, easily digestible. That's why Alex likes them because, like I said, the guy can't eat anything. Uh, it, he's a ticking time bomb with I just food. love that you just, just, just rip Alex while he's not here. That's great. You know what? He can't have any cheese curds up in northern Wisconsin, Ugh. or he'll probably not be back for next week's that's show. That's too bad. Um, so that that's why, you know, it, it's... I tried it. I think it's it's a great taste. But if you have an issue like Alex does, you know, where you can't eat food, try it. Um, we first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. I think that's very interesting. More and more people. I, I believe Julian Gressel of DC United uh, also follows now a vegan diet because I, I heard him talk about it on the Fabian Herbers Julian Gressel podcast. The soccer pod. It's a good one. It's it, If you're not listening to this one, listen to that one. Shout out to But Bobby. if you're not listening to this one, how will you know to listen to that one? So listen to this one first. Start with us, <laughs> then go listen to Fabi. It's a good show, but is it as good as this one? I can't say. I'm not an MLS player, though. He is. Uh, you get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Uh, that's a partnership through CHGO and Owen. It's a good partnership. Use the code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields and Alex Campbell and maybe next TJ Zaremba and try Owen. Only what you need. Um, TJ, we were texting, as we do, about the number of cases, high-profile cases, in the last couple of weeks involving CTE and soccer. We, we have our first uh, former MLS player, Scott Vermillion. We now know that when he died in 2020 uh, at age 44 of alcohol and prescription drug poisoning, he was diagnosed after the fact with CTE. Bruce Murray... Uh, former men's national team player. He was involved in a Washington Post story and a CBS News story. Um, he believes he might have CTE, and he's now really struggling with memory after the fact. Um, Brian Dunseth talked about it, and he got choked up on counterattack, which was, like, really sad to watch. That, that He feels like... it's on. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, yeah. go, on, go on the SiriusXM FC 157 Twitter yeah. feed. They'll have that link to it. It was about... A, was about a week ago, so um, but yeah, it's a two and a half minutes. This comes up from time to time, and it, it does. It, yeah, it, it's something that we really, you know, obviously we know that there's lots of links with with former uh, American football players, but um, we don't talk about it as much in soccer. But but you know, it, whether it's you know a David Luiz Raul Jimenez situation where it's a, a you know head-to-head or, or other body part-to-head contact, or it's all the sub-concussive hits from heading the ball. Um, well, and that was where uh, the Bruce Murray thing that he talked. Bruce Murray, it wasn't concussions. It was the, the repetitive right, headers right. in it, training the, at, with ball coming yeah. in at pace time and time again. It's just the, it's the constant trauma to the head, low-impact trauma eventually. Adds up. We know for sure now that... Um, it's you don't have to have a concussion to actually develop brain damage, and so and so the the question becomes, obviously we're both youth coaches, and so this impacts us greatly because there's rules in place based on a lawsuit that U.S. Soccer had to deal with. You can't head at ten or under at eleven and twelve. You can it's twenty five minutes I think a week of training, and I don't think most clubs actually even do that at this point. So effectively, it becomes you can head at U12 in games. And the the problem becomes then is you have, you know, 
one of the arguments against that rule is that you have players who are untrained on how to head the ball now suddenly being able to head the ball, which there, there's an argument there for sure. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, I don't think at the younger ages, I really missed seeing them head the ball. So I don't, you know, I, if we just got rid of heading entirely, and I'm not talking about us, I'm talking or youth. I'm talking about like IFAB makes it in the, puts it in the laws of the game. Would we be that much worse off Would would the game suffer? No, I, at this point, the game is the, absolutely not. You, you hit it right is um, because my children are all in that age where they can't head, and I don't realize that they can't head until there's a glaring opportunity. And then even then, it's like they find ways around it. And these are little, these are little kids. As you get older, you're going to find even more ways around it. You're going to find ways to work with it. You're going to be able to use other parts, your shoulder, whatever, to move the ball, trap it, play it out of the air first time. Um so where, where you really don't miss it is in midfield duels. Honestly, it doesn't, you know, you, th- those are what they are. What, what people would miss, I think is the spectacular diving header, you know, the, the balls whipped across the box at 60 miles an hour on a, on a cross or off a corner. And then the player comes in and the, I will tell you the first time my 11 year old did that um, in a game in the fall, my wife and I cringed. He scored and we cringed a lot more than we celebrated. It like took my breath away. I'm like, oh God, that's not, and it, you know, to think about the guys and it, we know like from football too, that, that everybody's brain is different and some people can do the same thing and not develop the same issues. Right. But sure. like, um, it, it just gets, to, it gets to the point with me with like, do we really, it's called football. We can mm-hmm. use our feet. Like it doesn't, do we really need headers and, and would that instantly have the effect that we're hoping where we wouldn't see as many of our players you know complaining about headaches or memory loss or that sort of thing um after the fact i don't know it you know i i think that would be it's a pretty controversial take and a lot of people would be pretty upset you know because they don't want to change things but i i don't think it would be a terrible thing long term no and i and i believe taylor twelman's even come out and said if it, it went away um it, bruce bruce obviously was all for get rid of it. it. It's not a necessary part of the game. He's the one that I yeah. think he picked up picked up on that with. No, I don't think it would be missed. I, there'd be an adjustment period, just like anything else. I mean, it'd be you know go go back in sports history, the three point shot becoming a prominent part of basketball, the DH in baseball. Call it what you will. The game will adjust. You will find different ways around it. There'll be, and if it increases safety of the game, because you, when you start getting into it, into detail and like okay, and this is just at the professional level. Well, you could have a doctor assess, a neutral doctor assess. You have a concussion, you come out, you get a free sub. It doesn't it doesn't count against you. But who would start using that for tactical reasons? And you can do that at a professional game where you could have a doctor on standby. But how many levels can you do that? If you get down to USL 2, will you have a doctor on the field? And that, this is still within yeah. you know one of the higher levels in the United States, USL 2, Midwest Premier League. You get into those or down to your Sunday house league. How are, how are concussions being addressed then? Much less the and the, and again we're talking about a professional level because of um, Scotty Vermillion because of Bruce Murray because of Brian Dunseth Taylor Twelman who's constant who's one of the leaders on this. What about players that just play Sunday leagues over and over for years that play into their forties that play into their fifties? How many of those go undiagnosed? Um, and I know and I believe uh, so. There's it is a bigger picture out there and. It, and it's well they've been doing it forever and people have survived are we sure so i think if you took it out of the game i think 
there would be a, it would be in a period of adjustment and everybody get over it. And then a few years from now, you'd look back at, back at it and go, really wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know. But right. take it out. It is, it. it is definitely a crazy take to think, to think that like, we're like every corner, you know, in the 90th minute, you know, you're like, Oh, they can't use their head. You know, that thumping, it would Laurel have an impact. And, and, and maybe I, I've heard this suggested too, that maybe you only allow it in the 18. Maybe. And it I gets mean, rid of all the, the midfield dual headers. I do agree. Those are kind of pointless anyways, because yeah. you're just thumping the ball down the field and then it's like you're banging into each other for no reason. Yeah. It, it may, maybe you only allow it in the 18. Maybe you only allow it on you. So it, it would be clearances and it would be, you know, goals. Um, it's something. It, and, you know, the, the, I think if you did that, There'd be, you know, the the old school people would be like, well, it's just a slippery slope. You're going to end up banning it anyway, maybe. But it, it old school old school people are going to do that about any change you make to the game. True, and, and and you know, it's a sport too. I and I get this point. It's a sport. There's an inherent risk that you have to be able to accept to play a sport. You might get hurt, but unlike a knee or an ankle or a hamstring or whatever it may be, a, a head injury is terrifying. So um, that's you. Like that's, that's your brain that that's who you are. And if you don't have that, then you are not you anymore. Uh, and sh- I, shout out to outlander. Who's watching us on the YouTube. Who, uh, he did bring up Michael Owen who said that once uh, he once said, no matter your size, the better you are at heading the ball, the better player you are. And he brought up Zidane's using his head to score two goals in the 98 world cup. But he also said, you can't all be Marouan Fellaini who can just use his chest to control it. So I don't know any Fellaini well, reference. I'm, I'm my, all for my, my simple response to outlanders. Why not? If you train on it, if you know you don't have a head as an option, you're going to train different ways to play the ball out of the air. It's going to become just kind of part of your arsenal. Like he says, it's second second nature once you practice it. Correct. So it's, it, you know, it it would, it would have an impact as as far as changing what we, the sport we come to know and love and and watch. And, and um, there's also, I, I saw a study once that, that, correlated a person's neck strength to the risk of concussions from heading the ball. The, the, the stronger your neck, basically, the less likely you are to to have a concussion. But as you mentioned rightfully off the top of this segment, it's not necessarily the concussions that are causing, like like with NFL linemen, it's the boom, 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 the sub-concussive hits over and over and over again that are that are causing these issues. Um, I, I don't, I, I think it's worth exploring. I really do, and I, I know that there would be a lot of people who, who hate to hear that, but I, I don't think it's a it's a bad thing. And there and there is there has been talk. I know USL ta- talked about bringing in a potential of a concussion sub a couple of years ago. I don't know if that ever came, whatever came of that. And there there are talks about it at the pro- professional level, but soccer has played at so many levels, at so many ages. You know, like I said, you go you go around Chicago Chicagoland, and how many over thirty games, over forty games do you see? And these are the same thing. Every goal kick seems like it's bombed out of the back off of somebody's head go to every go to high school game go watch a high school game one time how many of them are just bombed out of the played long and right right and this and the the change to a possession-based game probably alleviate some of that because you don't want to play but at the same time um i see that you know the, the possibility well it could take up to a decade guess what so what if it takes a decade to make it to make it um where it's more where it's normal you don't you forget about it who cares if, if it's, again, it's a safety issue and what risk is necessary and what is not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, it's, it's worth at least exploring. It's, it's not, um, 
I don't know that the reward of, you know, somebody flying in and the spectacular header in the 90th minute is worth the risk. That Van Persie who did that in the World Cup in Brazil? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something, you, you will lose something like that. Oh, well, you'll find, you'll find probably more taking the ball out of the air first time and ripping it in the upper 90 or off, bringing it down off your chest and then, like, you know, and then controlling it and hitting it yeah. first time, you know. So there will be other ways to make spectacular goals. There already are enough other ways for spectacular goals that don't require using your head. And, again, if it, you're talking about – and I get you're talking about, like, Dunseth, Taylor Twelman, guys like that that have done this, and they're all our age, realistically, that are you're starting to see. This is yeah. first generation where maybe they're aware of it. I'll be curious, though, because this lawsuit's, what, five, ten years? It's, the concussion settlement was in the last ten years. Yeah, for sure. You're really only yeah. starting to see the first few of those starting to hit the professional ranks that didn't have heading mm-hmm. when they were younger. How is that play? How much? And, and you know, one of the things that frustrates me is that in in the comments on Twitter under the Bruce Murray piece that that CBS News posted today, um, one of them was, "Are we supposed to feel sorry for this guy? He's a former pro. He got to be a pro. Why do we get?" And Dunseth addressed that in in his comments from you know recently. They, these guys feel guilty that if, especially if they were a pro that they would complain about anything, but no, you're a human being too. And you're, you're more than just a soccer player that who got paid some of you a lot of money, some of you not to, to play the sport professionally. You're, you're a human being too. And, and we should, you know, we're all in this game together. We should, we should. And also like kids look up to the professional and see them doing the spectacular header, and then they try and recreate that, just like you know, you recreate yeah. the last minute, last second shot, or in basketball, or and, and diving, a, catch in baseball, whatever. I mean, yeah. it's... A, a point I wanted to make on the on the youth thing too is so th- this is a U.S. soccer lawsuit, and everybody who's under the U.S. soccer umbrella had to follow along with it. There's a lot of soccer played in this country that doesn't really give a shit what U.S. soccer has to say, or but like there's a lot of rogue and and different different leagues and different games and they don't they don't follow it and they don't care and um so it, it it's not going to alleviate it entirely and but if if you did it at the ifab level and everybody you know like they make changes all the time you know little little changes right like they change the kickoff rule you don't have to you could kick it backwards so you don't have to have the two people standing there doing the little thing they make smart changes all the time this would be the biggest change since probably the back pass change but it would be Maybe probably even bigger than that, honestly. But it would be, it's something worth looking at, I think. All right. Points bet pick of the week. Uh-oh. Alex always gets these here wrong. Here we go. Alex always gets these wrong. Um, Alex isn't here. You're a gambler. <laughs> a gamer. You know what you're doing. I, I, I said, I, I looked at the fire game against Columbus. John Duran is plus 300 and Chris Mueller is plus 290 to score. I feel like Mueller is way overdue for a second goal the way he's playing. And I do feel like... Maybe this is the game that Ezra changes up and and takes Casper Shabilko out and starts starts John Duran. So I feel like those are two. If you you know maybe they don't happen, but if you want to you know make a a big amount of money off a bet, I feel like those are two plays. You have a you have a different one though. I do have a different one. I went into uh, Friday night El Trafico, uh, Galaxy at LAFC. Galaxy have won both games against LAFC this year. They've they've won two of three their last three. The other one was a draw in October of last year. Gal- Galaxy winner draw plus one hundred five. That's one that I that I kind of like. They they seem to have LAFC's number. They've had their number through through most of it. 
Um, LAFC is still making some changes to their lineups um, with new players coming in, so they may not be settled. I feel mm. like that. I feel like LA, LA, the Galaxy at plus 105 to win or draw. Who's at home? LAFC. Oh, it's at the bank. I feel like this is the one where I. You know what? I don't want to go against you, but I feel like I feel like LAFC wins that one. Although, like you said, they are making changes. I, I don't remember. I can't like. Chiellini's there, but Bale's not. Is that right? I, I don't remember who's even eligible to play or available to play. I can't even remember if they've introduced Bale or we just know through Tom Boger that Bale is coming. I, I need to. Yeah, and check. that and that I don't know, but it, like he'll said, be there, but, but maybe it, not for that game. It's never met like that rivalry. As long as it's been going, LAFC in theory has been the better team all the way through. That's true, and LA and Galaxy, Galaxy finds a way. Seems to have their number in, yeah. on that one. That's why. I said a win or a draw. If you want to pick a win, Galaxy to win or Galaxy to draw, it's plus 300. But if you put them both together, it's plus 105, and that's the one I like. All right, real quick before we go. What's the over in that in that match? That I don't recall. Because I, I feel like the over usually hits in that game. That's that true, like usually, a 4-3. Yeah, it's the type of a game. A lot of 4 threes in that yeah. in El Trafico. I like a 4-3. Yeah, a 4-3-3 three, three as well. That's an entertaining game. It's like Portland-Seattle. That's an entertaining game always. And it's LA and, and it's MLS after dark, so you know it's going to be insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Crane's Chicago business reports that Lori Lightfoot wants to throw a dome on the top of Soldier Field in a sort of last yeah, ditch. Just put a roof up there and uh, it'll be it'll be better. Bears need a roof. This of course impacts the fire cuz the fire play at Soldier Field too. But it, the uh you know, in a what were the numbers on this? It was insane. It was up to up to like one point five billion. It was half a billion to one point five billion. It was like a huge yeah. window. And with it being with it being the lakefront being Chicago, you might want to take the again, you might want to take the over yeah. on that one. That one I am taking the over. <laughs> I yeah, it's gonna be over three, let's be honest. And this is like this is like a basically, well, we tried to give the Bears what they wanted, but the Bears still wanted to leave for Arlington Heights, which to me, if you're the Bears, it makes a lot more sense to go to Arlington Heights. If you're the city of Chicago, you probably should have looked at this 20 years ago and not now. Um, and maybe you didn't want to make it 61,500 seats either. Maybe you wanted to make it a lot more so it could actually, you know, be useful in hosting NCAA tournaments and a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl and the things CFP that, championship, a little college football, the things that the other domed stadiums around the country do. So again, this is Chicago playing catch up on the soldier field issue. First of all, bigger picture it, is there a way to fix that stadium, TJ, and make it right? Or do they have to? I think Guillermo said on Twitter, and I think I tend to agree with him, it might be time to just tear it down and start over. All that's really left in historic are those columns. You can put some new columns on the outside of it. And well, getting it torn down is going to be an issue because it's a historic landmark. It so is you true. You can't. Yeah. yeah. At this point, to me, the best answer, and the city will never do it because, of course, that's not. The Bears are leaving. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. They are going to go to Arlington Heights, and we can go into a myriad of reasons. I'm sure I've in the other podcasts I've heard today that addressing this issue, they're saying the same thing. The Bears are going to leave at some point. If you, why wouldn't they? It, it makes so much more financial sense. Correct. So as far as the fire goes, I mean, do do you want a little hat on the top of your stadium, or do you not? Or it, like to me, best case is a TQL stadium style. MLS stadium, not what they built in Bridgeview. And, and, you know, I know that Joe and the fire are all about having it be in the city. I think you can look to some of the suburbs 
that that it would be more convenient as far as rail goes and it doesn't actually have to be in the city i doubt they'd want to go that route but um i, I want a i want what they have in ohio and I don't say mm-hmm. that about anything in the state of Ohio, <laughs> except for the two MLS stadiums. I want what they have in Ohio. I want one of those here. And that's ultimately what we need. And that, you know, roof or no roof on Soldier Field, I think the fire need to be looking to leave there as well. And, and you know, it's sad. Maybe that would sit empty at the lakefront and just do concerts or something. But it kind of is what it is. It is. Um, and as a secondary tenant, you're kind of mercy at whatever the city wants to do. But at this point, yeah, you need you need something different. I. I'll even get, I'll let you avoid Ohio. I want what they have in St. Paul, Minnesota. That stadium's sweet. I haven't been inside. <laughs> we drove around the outside when we were up there earlier this year. The The way that it's just kind of, it's sort of like the Cleveland um, Guardians Stadium. You're at street level and it goes down and you look in, like that stadium's. I've, I've been in the stadium shop and walked out on the concourse. It is wonderful. And it was winter and it still looked yeah. wonderful inside. It's right on, it's got all public transportation options it's that's what you want you're not going to find getting in the city that's going to be probably next to impossible but the bottom line is um a dome on the stadium for the fire is irrelevant um their secondary tenants are not going to be considered if it's there, great if it's not it's not as, as a fan going to games i don't care because there's enough different seats that you can get to that are covered so yeah the the this um Match day experience at Soldier Field is actually, especially on the ground, you know, you see the big open uh, west stand and you're like, well, what's, you know, this is not cool. But actually the feeling you have when you're there is, I really do like it. And I think that the move from Bridgeview was was the right one from a temporary standpoint. It does feel wasteful and stupid that they built a stadium in Bridgefield that they now don't play in. Um, but ultimately you have a chance to, to get this right at some point. Um, but we talked about this on the way in. I am convinced that whether it's Bridgeview or Soldier Field or a new stadium that's beautiful, the only thing that's going to fill it is a winning team. It, it does. We saw in 2017, people would go to Toyota Park, then Toyota Park, now SeatGeek, when the team is good. They would go. And they, the second the team is good, they will start to come again. And maybe we won't fill Soldier Field, but it'll be 30, 35. It's possible, but the team actually has to be good, and that's not something we've seen in an extremely long time, except for one outlier year, so, and that and that hits nail on the head. It's got they have to win. They have to do it over a period of time. It can't just be a one off. Yeah, you'll get them out for one or two games, but then the next year you're right back to the way you were. It has to be the culture has to change, and that and that's a big you know that's a bigger question. I, I think that they've done a good job in in changing the direction of the club a little bit, but ultimately you you there's a difference between having a losing culture, which is what they had for many, many years here and having a winning culture. And they do not have a winning culture yet. They do not have what, what Seattle has where you just know no matter who's there, who they plug in Jackson Reagan, former fire draft pick now starting at center back for the Seattle Sounders and doing well, whoever they plug in, it just works. They just get it right. And the fire don't No, they, they at this point they don't. Is again, is it moving in the right direction? Yes. The the redevelopment of the academy team, the establishment of the two team. You're getting the, doing good things. Yeah. And even prior to that, using the um, Indy Eleven and Four Madison as places for players to go to get professional minutes before they had the two team. Yeah, a lot of things in the right direction. Moving back to the city, that's cutting as much as I was, it inconveniences me. It was the move. It is. It's cutting your losses at a point. There, 
Bridgeview wasn't going to get any better. It was what it was. Yeah, we, yeah when, when Bosti was there in, in 19, and the, the floor is a lot lower in Bridgeview, you'd get six or 7,000, and I felt bad for him. I'm like, God, you played at the Allianz, and you've played in the World Cup, and, and now you have 7,000 people here watching you in, in Bridgeview. Sorry, Bosti. But like, so the, the minimums we're, getting, we're seeing at Soldier Field are higher than that. Um, I think there was a 10,000 game, and that was terrible weather earlier this year. So I want to say it was ten or eleven when we were there, but it was mid, it was a Wednesday night, and then the, mid, the Wednesday night game, yeah. So it, it's it's a little bit higher, um, it's a little bit better. It's I think it's more convenient for more people to get to, even though it's less convenient for you and I to get to. Um, but but the, but the overall experience is probably it's better. And, but wherever the, the bottom line is, and I'll wrap on this point, the bottom line is whether it's a TQL style stadium or it's it's you know Soldier Field or it's back in Bridgeview or wherever. The only thing that changes this whole thing and puts fans in the in the stadium entirely is a winning, consistently winning team. And they're they're they they might do some things and sneak into the playoffs or whatever this year that we talk about, but they're still nowhere near that. That's gonna that that's still a, a long time away for the club. So, all right, thank you for sitting in with me in lovely Studio B today. How, how do you feel? Do you feel better for, for being here or no? I do feel better for being here. It has been a lot of fun. Um, hopefully this won't be the bottom, and hopefully I'll be able to come back at some point. This is this is kind of cool. I right. mean, if I have any say, I would say yes. TJ I think he's earned back. it. Yeah. I think he's earned it. Well, you know what? We should start doing, like, the other shows have, like, three and four guys. Yeah, on. we got more chairs. Let's do it. We got more microphones. Let's we got, uh, you know, I could make the camera go a little wider. Maybe not in this room. We have done three in here. It's a little steamy, but it's, you know, we can do it. What are you going to do? All right, this has been the CHGO Fire Podcast, the Fire Play, the crew on Saturday, and then we are back here on Wednesday of next week, which will be Alex Campbell will be back, and it'll be a pregame. It'll be a pregame show of sorts because they play that night against uh, Toronto FC at Soldier Field. So a little homestand for the Fire. Hopefully they can get a lot of points here and then get something going. Otherwise, you know how the story ends. You've seen it many, many times, folks. He's TJ. I'm Pat. We'll see you. Adios.